You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Exodus chapter 17, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin, after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses, and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses, and said, Wherefore is it this? that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. Verse number 5, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee the elders of Israel, and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before uh, thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And verse 7, And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray that you would speak to us from your word. I pray that uh, your word would come alive. I pray that it would uh, find a place in our hearts and lives that uh, we might be helped and that we might be uh, drawn closer to you. I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, if anyone is here in this service or anyone is listening, I pray that uh, if they do not know Christ as Savior, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. Uh, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege we have to uh, hold your word and to study your word. And I pray that we would uh, take it and apply it. And I pray we'd be better for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. And if you look with me in Exodus 17, and then I'd like for you to take a marker of some kind, a, a bookmark or something, and would you stick it in your Bible in Isaiah 53? We're going to be going to Isaiah 53 in just a few moments, and I definitely want to show you some scripture there. Also, if you don't have a Bible, uh, maybe you can look on with somebody who does, and maybe they'd be willing to uh, help you to look on, but I definitely want you to see uh, the scripture, not just today, but every, every service, and I'm thankful that we have a Bible that we can read, and I want you to know these are not my words, these are not my ideas, but these are God's words, and this is God's plan for His people. It says in Exodus 17, and we're, we're talking about, we're continuing the thought about the rock. Last Sunday, we talked about the rock of our salvation from Deuteronomy 32. But today, I want you to notice the rock of sacrifice. Our theme for the year is found in Matthew 16, where Jesus said of himself, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, that was not a new concept when Jesus spoke about the rock because the Old Testament had references to the rock in the wilderness. I want you to notice in Exodus 17 that the people 
were complaining. The Bible says that they chided Moses. Now, that word chided, it means to complain, but it even takes it a step further. It means that they complained to Moses, but they also blamed Moses. They felt like Moses was the reason for their problem. They felt like Moses was responsible. The Bible says that they were demanding. Uh, these people were complaining. Uh, the Bible says they murmured, verse number 3. They doubted God. They had, literally, they'd given up on God. They were so upset that the Bible says they were ready to kill Moses. Now, at, by way of introduction, let's take a little time out here. And let me remind you that I think sometimes we put too much emphasis and too much importance upon people. Okay? Now, here's the thing. If they came out of Egypt and they saw all the miracles and they saw the parting of the Red Sea and they saw all the plagues in Egypt and they thought that was because of Moses, they were mistaken. That wasn't because of Moses. That was because of God. And now they come to Moses and say, Moses, it's your fault that we don't have water. Oh, no, no, no. That wasn't Moses' fault. That was up to God. And so in complaining against Moses, Moses said, hey, you're not complaining against me. He said, you better be careful. You are tempting God because God is the one who's in control and God is the one who has brought us here. We see in this passage that God told Moses to go ahead of the people. He said, I want you to go and I want you to take a rod in your hand and I want you to go and meet me at the rock in Horeb. Now, this rock in Horeb is the same rock where Moses got the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. This was a very significant place. I believe that when he said go to the rock at Horeb, I believe it was a big rock. I believe it was a very visible rock, probably an elevated rock where everybody knew where that would be. And God told Moses, he said, I want you to go and I want you to meet me there. And God said, I will be on that rock and I will stand upon the rock. And then he told Moses, he said, I want you to take your rod and I want you to strike. I want you to hit that rock so that there could be water for the people to drink. As we look at this passage, I want you to see quickly, number one, this passage reveals to us the sovereignty of God. Now, notice in Exodus 17, how did the children of Israel get to this place where there was no water? Well, it says in Exodus 17, verse 1, and all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. That's not meaning it was a wicked place. That was just the name of that wilderness. After their journeys, notice the next phrase, according to the commandment of who? The Lord. So the fact that they were in Rephidim, the fact that they came to a place where they said, there's no water, that was because they were following the leading and following the commandment of God. Now, let me say this morning, let me remind us this morning, that there are times where we do what God tells us to do and we obey God and we follow God and we still find ourselves in places of need. We still find ourselves in places where it doesn't seem to be good. We, we find ourselves in situations where we feel like there's no way out. You see, God knew exactly where the children of Israel were. He's the one that told them to go there. 
God's the one who led them. God's the one that directed them. The sovereignty of God indicates to us that God is in control of everything. You see, not only does God know everything, but God is in control. That might be the reason you came to church this morning. You needed to hear that. Did you know that in 2022, God is still in control? He's still on the throne. He still has all power. He still has all knowledge. He uh, still knows what's going on, not just in the Middle East and not just in uh, Europe and not just in uh, uh, Asia and not just in uh, uh, Africa and South America and North America and Antarctica. But he knows what's going on where you live. As a matter of fact, he knows where you live. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. He not only knows, but he is in control. The Bible says that they were to go to a place called Rephidim where there was no water. The word Rephidim, the name Rephidim literally means a resting place. Did you know sometimes we, we, we are in a, we're in a, a, a straight betwixt two because we, we sometimes we get to a resting place where God leads us and we don't want to rest. We don't want to slow down. We don't want to pause. We don't want to be still and know that he is God. We are in a hurry. That's our society, right? That's our culture. Um, you know, uh, uh, we, we want it yesterday. Hurry up. I need it right this instant. So sometimes we get to a resting place and we don't want to rest. We want to hurry and we get ahead of God. But sometimes we get into a resting place and we can get lazy. We can, not, we, can, we, can, we can stop serving and stop praying and stop trusting. And we can get into a spot where we become lethargic. Can I tell you, God's going to lead you and God's going to lead me. And sometimes there's going to be some refidims. There's going to be some resting places. Uh, a resting place, I like to use the, the analogy of a rest area when you're on a trip. A rest area is a great place to stop. It's a great place to make a quick stop. But you don't stay at the resting place. I don't know anybody that goes on a, a week-long vacation and they spend all seven days at the rest area, right? As a matter of fact, that's pretty frustrating. The longer you're at the rest area, you don't get to your destination. But sometimes you got to rest. Sometimes you got to stop. Sometimes you got to sleep. Sometimes you got to stop and get some fuel. Sometimes you got to stop and get some food. Sometimes when you're on a trip, you got to stop and get some coffee. Amen. We'll make sure you're listening. But, but you need those places to stop and to rest and to refuel so that you can continue to go to the destination, the sovereignty of God. We see in Psalm 23, and uh, by the way, for those of you that uh, do not know or those of you who have not been listening, I encourage you to listen to our radio station, 95.9 FM. Uh, it's uh, uh, our Voice for Victory Radio. We're going through right now Psalm 23 uh, on the Winning Side broadcast every day, Monday through Friday at noon. But Psalm 23 tells us that God leads us beside the still waters. God makes us to lie down in green pastures. There's times in our lives where we need to slow down because God wants to speak. God wants to teach us something. As we follow the Lord, God promised that he would supply our needs, but don't get ahead of God. Don't get uh, in a hurry. Don't get uh, so frustrated that you miss what God's trying to teach you. Number one, the sovereignty of God. But number two, I want you to see in this passage the suffering of God's people. Notice the suffering, and many times I kind of just skim over this because we know the end of the story. 
But notice what it says at the end of verse number one. It says, and there was no water. It doesn't say there was a little bit. It doesn't say there was a small amount. It says there was no water. Can you imagine if this morning, if I made an announcement to you and I said, folks, I just need to make sure you're aware of the fact that we have no water. Our drinking fountains don't work. Our faucets don't work. There's no bottled water. There's no uh, water anywhere. And by the way, food line doesn't have water. And your house doesn't have running water. And you don't have any supply of water. And as a matter of fact, the whole city, there's no water. Like zero, none. I think you'd be getting nervous too. And by the way, even if not for yourself, what about your children? Here the children of Israel had a million and a half plus people and they get to a place where there is no water. Can you imagine the children coming to their parents and saying, Mom and Dad, we're thirsty. We haven't had anything to drink. And we're not talking about for five minutes, you know. We're not talking about it's bedtime and I'm thirsty, you know, and I got to have some water because I don't want to go. We're talking about thirsty. Number two, I see the suffering of God's people. There was no water. This was a serious need. You can't live without water. You can't survive without water. And I want to remind you this morning that God's people, we will face suffering at times. God never promised that you would go through life and there would be no suffering. As a matter of fact, the opposite is promised. God says that you will have trials. You will have temptations. You will have struggles. You will have suffering. Second Timothy says it like this. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There will be suffering. There will be times of need. Say, so, well, pastor, why would God lead his people to a place where there was no water? Doesn't God love his people? Why would God lead you or me to a place of suffering? Why would God lead us to a place of, uh, of trouble? And why would God lead us to a place of hardship? I'll tell you why. Because when you get to that place, you realize how much you need God. And sometimes we like to live like we don't need God. And sometimes we go through a day or we go through a week and, hey, there's money in the bank and there's food in the, the cupboards and, and we got a roof over our head and the lights are on and the bills are paid. And sometimes we think we don't need God. But, friend, we need God. And we must be dependent upon God every single day. And when we go through suffering, it reminds us of our dependency upon God. When we trust God, and when we obey, even in times of suffering, we see that God is able to meet our needs. We see that God cares and that God loves us and that God is able to bring us through. Number one, the sovereignty of God. Number two, I see the suffering of God's people. But number three, I want you to notice the silliness of God's people. It started out silly, it started out foolish, but it became sinful. Because they started out by complaining. They started out by saying, oh, God brought us out here. And Moses, you brought us out here. And there's no water. And we're just going to die. And oh, this place, this is so crazy. I can't believe we're here. Notice how bad it got. Verse 7. The children of Israel actually said this. Is the Lord among us or not? Now, friend, I want to tell you, 
they had just come out of Egypt. They had just seen the plagues. They had just seen the, 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 the Passover. They had just seen the parting of the Red Sea. They had just seen Pharaoh's army completely destroyed by the, the waters that crashed in after they went through on dry ground. And now they have the, the audacity to say, is God even here? Does God even care? Does God even know what's going on? Friend, I want to tell you, that's a foolish question. But sometimes we act like that, don't we? Oh, my job, or all oh, my health, or all oh, my family, or all oh, my finances. God, don't you care? Oh, not only does he care, he can do something about it. And he wants us to come to a point of dependency upon him where we trust him. But rather than trusting God, the children of Israel, they became angry. They took their anger out on Moses, but in reality, their anger was directed at God. They became demanding. Sometimes we do the same thing, don't we? Now, we don't like it when people are demanding of us, but sometimes we get very demanding of others. Maybe it's a spouse, or maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a, a boss or a co-worker, and, and we can become so demanding when in reality, we don't want that coming back at us, but that's the way we treat people sometimes. They became demanding. I see in this passage that they became selfish, they became self-centered, and they became impatient. Does that sound like anybody you know? Does that sound like maybe the way that we live sometimes our lives is we have become so selfish? We have become so self-centered. We have become so impatient that we can't even wait on God. We can't even trust God. I see that they were silly, but then they sinned against God by, here's what the Bible says, they tempted God. They literally, they got to a point where they said, God, do you even care? God, do you even love us? God, are you even around? Do you even know what's going on? Oh, yes, he cares. He does care. He does know, and he is with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us, but they, they tempted God. And then I want you to notice number four in this passage, and I want you to see this. This is so powerful, and this is where we get to the point about the rock. I see the sacrifice of God's son. Say, Pastor, we've read this passage and I didn't see any reference to Jesus. I didn't see any reference to the cross. What are you talking about? Well, I want you to notice in verse number five that the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel in thy rod. By the way, the rod in the Bible is often significant or signifying judgment. And he said to Moses, said, Moses, I want you to take your rod and I want you to go to the rock and God said, I'm going to stand on the rock. Before you get there, I'm going to be there. God said, I'm going to be standing on that rock. And when you get to the rock, Moses, I want you to smite the rock. He said, I want you to take that rod of judgment. I want you to hit the rock. And from the rock, there would come forth water so that all the people could drink. Now, 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 4, the Bible actually references this passage in Exodus 17, and it says that the rock in the wilderness where the water came out, that rock was Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, there are pictures and there are types of Jesus throughout the entire Old Testament. 
Jesus said in the book of John, he said, hey, search the scriptures because they are they which testify of me. All they had was the Old Testament. And Jesus said, you read the Old Testament and guess what you'll find? You'll find it's all about me. In the Old Testament, Jesus was a picture of the Passover lamb. The lamb that would be sacrificed for the sin of mankind. Jesus was a picture of the priest that would offer that sacrifice and would meet the demands of a holy God. We see in Exodus 16 that God sent manna down from heaven. That manna that came down from heaven was a picture of Jesus, the bread of life that came down from heaven. Here in Exodus 17, Jesus is a picture of the rock. The, the, the rock, the water came out of that rock. And that water is a picture of Jesus, the water of life. That if a man drinks of that water, the Bible says he'll never thirst again. We see Jesus throughout the entire Old Testament. And in this passage, he is the rock and he is the water. But notice what it says in verse number six. God says to Moses, I will stand before thee. There upon the rock. What that signifies is the fact that God would give his son. You see, Jesus Christ was crucified by the Roman soldiers. Jesus Christ was, was sent to be crucified uh, by Pilate uh, who, who, who had the authority. But Jesus was not given by the Roman soldiers. He was not given by Pilate, he was given by God the Father. Help me with this verse. I think you know it. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Who gave the Son? God. The Father gave the Son. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. This passage in Exodus 17 shows us that God was standing there on the rock. And when Moses came to smite that rock, a picture of Jesus Christ being crucified, the sacrifice for sin. When God was standing there, God is the one who gave his son. It says in Isaiah 53, verse 3, the prophecy of Jesus, it says he is despised and rejected of men. He is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Verse 4, surely he hath borne, or he has carried our griefs, and he has carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him, what's the next word? Stricken. Notice the next three words. Smitten of who? Now we're talking about Jesus. And the Bible says he was stricken. He was smitten by God. Notice what it says in verse number 10. Isaiah 53. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Now I cannot, I cannot begin to explain this. Because I don't want to see my son or one of my daughters hurt, even if it's their fault, I don't want to see them hurt. But I would not offer my son to be tortured, to be beaten, to be whipped, 
to be mocked, to be spit upon for the sin of others. As a father, I would say, no way. I can't do that. I cannot allow that. And I certainly would not say that I would be pleased with that. Friend, are you getting the idea of how much God loves you? He loves you so much that he gave his son. He not only gave his son, he not only offered his son, but he smote, he struck his own son on the cross and it pleased God that Jesus Christ was bruised on Calvary for your sin and for mine. You see, the rock was smitten in Exodus 17 and that rock is a picture of the sacrifice of God's son. By the way, the reason that the rock had to be smitten was because of the sin of the people. We read in Exodus 17 that the people were complaining, the people were murmuring, the people were tempting God. This did not happen like this. But the people were not on their knees in Exodus 17 in Rephidim saying, God, would you please give us water? God, we love you. God, you've been so good to us. And God, we just, we're trusting you to send us water. That's not what they were doing. They were shaking their fist at God. Saying, God, have you forgotten us? God, don't you care about us? God, where are you anyway? When the children of Israel were at their very worst, God still gave his very best. God still gave them water. And by the way, God gave them something a whole lot better than water to drink in Exodus 17. But he gave us living water. He gave us the water of life. He gave us salvation when we were at our very worst. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't die for good people. Jesus didn't die for holy people. Jesus didn't die for perfect people. Jesus died for a bunch of old rotten sinners like us. And can I tell you, the rock was smitten. And Jesus was crucified so that we could stand redeemed. And so that we could stand forgiven. And so that we could stand before a holy God. And when he looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. But he sees the blood of his son from Calvary. The sacrifice of God's son. Romans 5 tells us that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I'm thankful for the grace of God that was poured out on Calvary for us. Lastly, I want you to see the salvation of God's people. We find in 1 Corinthians 10 where it it, it actually describes this story in Exodus 17. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 that that rock was Christ. But it says, and they all did drink of that water. You know how many people got water in Exodus 17? All of them. Anybody that was thirsty, anybody that wanted water, they could come and they could take of the water. You know how much it cost? Nothing. It was free. You know how much salvation costs? Nothing. It's free to us because Jesus paid it all. It's free to us because Jesus paid the price with his blood so that you and I could drink of the water of life. I'm thankful the salvation for God's people is this, that whosoever will may come. 
Revelation 22 says it like this, and the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. I'm glad you didn't have to be born into a certain family to get saved. I'm glad that salvation was not just for a, a certain religious group or a, a certain uh, sect or a, a certain nationality. I'm glad it wasn't for a certain social status. I'm glad that salvation is for anybody and everybody that will come to Jesus. He says, whosoever will may come. And I tell you, if you're here today and you've never been saved, the price has already been paid. The rock has already been smitten. The water is available, and all you have to do is to come and take of the water of life freely. The Bible says when you take of that water, you'll never thirst again. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.